Welcome to the 30-Minute Hour. It's the weekly podcast where we discuss business, sports, politics, and whatever's on our mind. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs, your procrastination prevention partner, and I'm also the author of The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. Joining me is Ted Fells. He's the business strategist extraordinaire and super CEO. Good evening. All right. So I had a special name for Britain, but he's not here. We don't know where he is, so I guess we'll have to... We'll have to save it okay. till the next time. Okay. Special name. Huh? I, had a, I had a special thing for him. He was saying he wanted a, a new introduction and mm-hmm. something added to his. Maybe that's why he's not here today. He just got tired of the old introduction. Right. So he's uh, protesting. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. So, you know, he could dial in. He could walk in. Who knows? Uh, we, we'll all find out what's going on. This, this is a special episode of the 30-Minute Hour. We, we've got... Fancy crews and lighting and cameras and you, you can watch us on YouTube and subscribe. You can also go to Facebook. You can go to Instagram. You can go on iTunes and type in the 30-minute hour into the search bar uh, and, and really be able to get to our episode. Keep in mind, it's not your everyday podcast. No, it's, it really isn't. It's not. They don't know by now. They'll soon find out. They're going to learn today. They're going to learn today. That's right. All right. Not your everyday podcast. Mm-hmm. So, Ted, I've got something that's on my mind. Okay. 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 What do you have on your mind, Eric? Today, I want to talk about how to achieve the impossible. Mm. That's right. Achieving the impossible. How to achieve the impossible. That's what I want to talk about. Is that impossible? To achieve the impossible? It's not impossible. We're going to talk about that. So, for example, let's say 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Let's say it's like January of 1990, somewhere around there. Mm. And I told you that Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson are about to fight. Oh, we all knew what was going to happen. Right. And I said, Buster Douglas is going to win. Would have never believed you. You would have said, Twigs? That's impossible. Let's take, let's bet. Right, yeah, right. Let's bet. Let's put some money on that. Put, put your money where your mouth Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so then let, let's let's go. Ten years ago, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ten years ago, you and I we're, we're sitting back, we're watching this reality show called The Apprentice. Okay. And I said, Ted, the guy right there, the host of The Apprentice. Donald. Ten years from now, is going to be president of the United States. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. I would never believe that. You say, Twigs, we need to see what's in your cup because okay. that is impossible. Yeah. True. We don't even have to go. We, we, 30 years. We went 10 years. We could just go to last year. So, let, so let, let's go. Let's imagine it's a year ago. Yeah. And... I said to you that the Washington Nationals, they're going to lose Bryce Harper, mm. and then they're going to win the World Series. Wow. What would you say? Yeah, that, that, that's not going to happen. Right. Now, you wouldn't say that's not going to happen. You would say, Twigs, that's that is impossible. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that that word impossible is thrown around, right? Mm. Mm. But we've seen that these things have happened. 
And, and it kind of takes me back to something I saw which really motivated. There's two things that motivated this topic. One, I saw a quote by Muhammad Ali where he said, impossible is not a fact. Mm. It's an opinion. Hmm. Right? Okay. okay. So, so there's a lot more things that are possible. There's a lot more things that can happen in the life of the business owner, mm. uh, it, just in your life in general, that you think, no, this is just impossible. Right. There's no way possible that this could happen. And I was really inspired by our guest, too. Because our guest got some insight from his dad. Here's what his dad said. That this is, what he, this is what he learned from his dad. He learned from his dad that when you are operating on purpose, that anything is possible. Hmm. Operating on purpose. When you are operating on purpose, hmm. anything is possible. That's what our guest today learned from his dad. So that's the takeaway. So the question I have for the listener, the question I have for the viewer is what's possible for you? Hmm. Think about that thing. What is that thing everybody's telling you you can't do? I challenge you to go out and do that thing. Yeah. Because it's possible. That's how you achieve the that's how you achieve the impossible. Focus on your purpose, stay open. Anything's possible. And you definitely have to think yourself that it's that it's not impossible. Right. Because if you think it's impossible, right, it becomes impossible. It's impossible at that point because then you don't ever start, right? You're like, hey, it's going to need to be trying to do this. It's going to be impossible for me to to lose this weight. It's going to be impossible for me to to get this degree. It's impossible for me to to get the successful business started. It's it's impossible. It's not going to it's not going to happen for me. Right. right. And, and what I found this is what I what I find a lot of successful people operate in delusion. Mm. It's like it's almost like they're delusional. They're so focused, and they just have this this gravitas and this level of confidence about them. Gravitas. That's right. There you go. <laughs> gravitas. All right. So, so they're focused on the possibilities. Okay. Yeah, and so that that's that's how you have to be if you want to achieve your goals. Absolutely, absolutely. And just answer that question for yourself: What's possible? Hmm. That was good. It was good. Absolutely. Gravitas. They gravitas. That's right. I was about to say gravy. When <laughs> <laughs> you're hungry, you want some gravy? No, gravitas. That's cool. So, speaking of gravitas, mm-hmm. that, that leads us to our guest. All right. I think now's the perfect time uh, to bring him Introduce on. I guess. Okay. That's right. He is a graduate of Hampton University. Okay. Okay. He's a proud member of Omega Psi Phi Fraternity. Through the Gamma Epsilon chapter, also right. known as GE, the Power Company. The Power Company. That's right. We've heard that once, twice, or three times. That's right. A thousand times. Right. Now, when he was at Hampton, he was a leader amongst the students, as well as being an athlete. Okay. It was on campus where he discovered his love for broadcasting. Mm. When he graduated, you know, he made his mark in the radio industry. He successfully hosted his own show here in D.C. for several years. Mm. Uh, then the word of his success really started to spread around. Uh, I mean, to sum up his career, I mean, he's been decorated with all of these numerous awards and achievements. Uh, his voice has been heard on radio in Philly, Baltimore, Virginia, Atlanta. Wow. And he's been a primary voiceover talent for BET. Now get this. His voice 
has been heard by more than 64 million people. Wow. In the national and international markets. He is somebody. He is somebody. Mm. So please join me in welcoming to the 30-minute hour, Osei, the dark secret. The dark secret. Quake who? <laughs> yeah, the dark secret. Y'all are crazy. There's got to be some background music when you come in with the dark secret. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Hey, how y'all doing? Good, man. Man, it is an honor to have you on the show. And welcome to the 30-minute hour. Uh, I want to jump right into it. You've got a um, pretty fascinating story. So now I've been doing my homework on you, bruh. So, so you, you credit you credit your dad as being a major influence on your life when you were growing up. Uh, talk to us about how he influenced you in, to being the person that you are now. Um, I think for me, growing up being first generation in this country, um, you know, my family coming over, immigrating from West Africa. You know, you kind of see the sacrifices that your family members, your parents uh, put in place for you to have the life that, you know, uh, or the opportunities you're able to take advantage of. And because of that, you know, I, I just saw my father really work his hustle, which was medicine and being a doctor and really take himself and, and you know, utilize his focus to really, you know, be at the top of his game. And, you know, I, I figured, it, you know, initially going to Hampton, I wanted to be, you know, in the field or at least I thought I did. And I realized that, you know, that's not necessarily the way I want to help people, but I want to take my own respective talents and, you know, channel that. And I, I started to feel as if media was really the platform that I would do so, especially observing the way, you know, African-American males and, and black males overall seem to be perceived in media. I wanted to get involved in that and hopefully add my voice, lend my voice, and change that narrative. That's interesting. So he was uh, encouraging in that, in, in that capacity. And, you know, kind of finding my own voice and not trying to just do exactly what, you know, you watch somebody else do, but figure out how to put your spin to it, essentially. Okay. So so when you originally arrived at Hampton, your plan, you were thinking you would be a doctor. Yeah, that's what I, I had. My, I had my dreams, and then I had my real world, you know, path, so to speak. And I didn't really know how to get into media. I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't, bro, I didn't, I didn't major in broadcasting. I was a psychology. I was initially a biology pre-med major and eventually uh, changed to psych pre-med and didn't know how to do it, but would hang out, you know, in the broadcasting building and try to get myself familiar that way. And once they told me about the internship opportunities, I said, all right, I'm going to intern and I'll figure it out. And I'm going to just, if nothing else, I knew they wouldn't be able to out-hustle me. And, you know, I just applied that to, you know, um, allowing me to kind of have a springboard forward. And that's what did it. Hmm. So, so you mentioned one of your motivations was how you saw African-Americans, how they were perceived in uh, the media business, the media industry. Talk about that. Like, how did that really inspire you to get into it? Well, you know, long before we started having these conversations and, and then, you know, American society really started to react and respond to people like Mike Brown, Eric Garner, and things of that nature. I always felt like there was a narrative for black males in media that just wasn't very positive. Mm -hmm. You know, we've all kind of known what it's like to be painted as menacing. And 
for people to be scared of you for, you know, really no good reason. Mm-hmm. And just because of the perception. And I always felt like that was a major issue. And I think that, you know, even when you look back on that, I don't know if it was Time or Newsweek that had OJ on the cover. And, you know, they had his mugshot and they darkened his picture up. Mm-hmm. And it I remember was that. designed to make him look more menacing. And that, those things like that really had a real profound impact on me. And I felt like it impacted our interactions with people out, outside of, you know, our, our, our respective ethnicity. And so I said to myself, I wanted to be able to be a part and lend my voice to changing that narrative because I felt like eventually, you know, the things that we're starting to see now would happen. And I feel like, you know, we've always been there, but never has been in such a way where it's so undeniable. So you have incident after incident um, across the country taking place where, you know, you'll see you know, whether it was in South Carolina, the police officer chasing the black man and shooting him in the back. Mm. And we all know that these things were, it's like watching Eyes on the Prize. Now, there's what you saw on video, and you can imagine what those outtakes probably looked like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so to see that in 20, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and to know that that's really at our front door was something that needed to be acknowledged or no different than kind of watching the news and you know they get the, the most random uninformed person that happens to be black <laughs> to be the spokesperson like this person doesn't know anything but news is sensationalized and, and bad news travels fast it sells hard you know what i mean so people go with that and it's all about getting these clicks and these eyeballs unfortunately we live in an age where media has uh, the accountability in it has now spread to the consumer. And so people are sharing information differently. And, you know, when they say the revolution won't be televised, it's very obvious that in 2019 it won't. It's definitely in your hand, and it's on that handheld device. And so so many people are sharing information differently. We're able to see, see things. And they're adding to the collective voice that's out there to make sure that people – you have no choice but to acknowledge that as being either right or wrong. You know what I mean? And so, you know, public opinion means a lot in 2019. And I'm sure it's going to mean even more as we move forward because we're just entering a very different time. So accountability is very much so different. Yeah, absolutely. And and so if you could go back in time to your 19-year-old self back at Hampton University, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give yourself? Not to be fearful hmm. and not to um, put as much value as I did into what other people thought. Hmm. Um, I was probably somebody I was, I was to a lot of people it may have seemed like I was fearless, but I certainly was scared about, you know, what I was embarking upon. But it's like every journey. Sometimes you go on a journey every aspect of your journey isn't for everyone else to participate in. Some of those aspects of your journey are going to be very lonely, um, very uncertain. And I, I think I've had a significant share of those moments, even, you know, at a time where I think I was just very depressed. Mm. I'm just going through the cycle of trying to, you know, achieve your goal and your dreams. And, and, and something else that I would also say is, you know, enjoying the journey. Uh, more, uh, just really taking time to appreciate 
the small wins because those small wins and really learning how to appreciate them add to your much bigger victories. And I think that I didn't have that type of counsel or, you know, maybe I just wasn't as aware at that time because I was so focused on trying to really prove a lot of things even um, to my family. But I don't really feel like, you know, at the end of the day, that was as important to them as, say, my overall happiness, um, me moving forward. And, you know, I, I say that, like I said, first generation in this country for a lot of young kids of African descent coming over here. With the sacrifices your parents make, they want you to find something that they might consider to be a lot more stable. So I think a lot of the people who observed the interaction and observed um, my relationship, so to speak, with my father, because he was a fish, uh, you know, a physician and held in a very high regard by so many people in the community, you know, might have said, "Hey, you're not going to be a doctor like your dad." And early on, I would answer that question and say, "You know, yeah, that's what I think I want to do, but that's not really." what was in my, my, my heart or my path, per se. But I just feel like, you know, I learned a lot. And, again, it's just about appreciating the journey, the small things, you know, and, and, and what can you be. And it's really about being of service. So and kind of building that community, you know, um, becoming a member of an organization like Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated, things that, you know, and, I mean, you know, you can find, you can find um, tribes is what I'll call it. You can find tribe in a lot of things. And I think that's that's a good thing as long as you're not tribal in your mindset. You know hey, what uh, I mean? So, yeah. Hey, I'll say, uh, Ted was looking at me. I think he wants you to repeat the name of that organization you just mentioned. No, I think, I, 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 I think, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. You should have just you should have just seen you should have just seen Eric just kinda light up and just look at me like, yeah, yeah. Omega Sci Fi. All right, man. Let me say this too. I wanna just add this this, this real quickly. When I speak of tribe, I mean Omega's a tribe, you know, Cap Alpha Side tribe. It didn't that, that, did, that didn't hurt that didn't hurt to say, man. We we a tribe too. That's right. We a tribe. We a tribe. That's right. <laughs> but it's all about how we engage each other, right? Sure, sure. So once you kind of get out of that that platform, man, you're like, hey, man, you know, when you meet other people that went to HBCUs, that in and of itself is a, a different tribe. type yeah. of tribe. Yeah, so for sure. I just learned all of that. Oh yeah, you know, for sure. So, I mean, that, that's quite a transition. If you, you go into Hampton, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to be this doctor, and, and then now you start to think, maybe I need to be doing something else. Like, like, was there like one moment that confirmed for you, hey, you know what? I really need to be in broadcasting. So when I um, I was in this program at UVA the mm -hmm. summer after I crossed, and it's the Robert Woods Johnson program for a lot of people aspiring to be uh, physicians. And I was sitting in there, and I was like, not what I want to do. I, I feel like I was in a class. Um, essentially, they were just. It was just. You know, the, the 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 instructor was just talking about. You know, how you have to give sometimes very bad news to mm -hmm. a potential to a patient. Mm -hmm. And I was just in my mind saying to myself, I don't think that this is what my calling is. Yeah. And I say when I go back, so I'm in. I'm at UVA. I'm in Charlottesville that summer. But I say when I get back. I got to get on top of this and I got to make this happen and really, you know, pursue my dreams because I'm getting ready to, you know, I'm, I'm going to be leaving school 
and I got to really figure out my, my, my real game plan um, and how I'm going to break into this. And, you know, that moment was kind of a defining moment for me, a light bulb moment where I was just like, I've got to, you know, really sink my teeth into what I'm going to be doing or what I really want to do. And I had no, I, I didn't know how I was going to do it, to be quite honest. You know, the, you know, you talk about 19, you know, 96, so to speak. And then you talk about 2006. So in 06, the, 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 the documentary, The Secret, actually came out. And I didn't discover it until much later than that. But, you know, once I started to understand some things and I felt myself getting more in tune, I felt like my life began to change differently. And I started to understand and study the law of attraction. And, you know, I wish that was a, I wish that was something I would have discovered a lot sooner, but everything happens when it's supposed to. And, you know, another thing you learn is how important timing is and the timing of everything in your life, you know, and sometimes it's not, you can't predict or control any of these things. And a lot of us may live our lives where we feel like, you know, I have control over this or that. And ultimately you don't, mm. you know, the only thing you can control is your actions and, you know, your immediate behaviors or your reactions to things. And sometimes we even give up that power. But, you know, I began to just understand and look at things a lot differently. And I think that in my journey, I was able to, you know, uh, absorbed a lot of life lessons that began to shape, you know, how I saw myself in the direction that I was going. And also, you know, understanding about what I was, what type of legacy I could build and leave and, and also contribute in terms of helping other people. Because, you know, certainly, you know, people love the story of a self-made individual, but at the end of the day, someone held the door open for that person at some point. Exactly. You know, you know those people don't oftentimes get acknowledged or credited, but that's the reality of it. You know, there's always somebody there who was there as, 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 as support for you. And you have to, you know, appreciate that. You know, when they say attitude of gratitude, it changed your life. And I believe in that. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. So and we have quite a few listeners that want to follow in your footsteps. I mean, they want to pursue a career in broadcasting and take it to the next level. What advice do you have for them based on your experience? Well, I think that, man, anything is possible. I, I truly believe that. And if it's, in, if it's rooted in, in good and the intentions are, are, are pure, I mean, I feel like anything you want to do is realistically possible. And when you look at how media has evolved, I mean, you know, you all have an excellent podcast and are talking about, you know, a bunch of interesting things. In fact, I think radio for a while was losing its luster because – it was becoming too controlled. And I think that when it gets away from the people is when you lose a bit. And so I feel like, um, you know, anybody, anything anybody wants to do, they can do. I mean, just crack the mic and, and, and start, you know, just engaging. I, I would say if you want to be the best at your craft, certainly, you know, just, you know, being able to communicate efficiently is key, no matter what you're doing, even if you're not in media. So it's always something that's a that's a lifelong uh, lesson that we all have to you know work on in terms of perfecting ourselves. But it can be done, especially in this day and age. And there's so many platforms now when it comes to podcasting. Pick something that you're interested in, and chances are you'll connect with other people who are interested in the same thing. And that's where it starts, and it begins to duplicate itself. You know, so I would just say you know you just have to start somewhere. And, you know, it starts with a simple conversation first. 
you know, it's interesting you were talking about the different platforms today and, you know, I just, you know, kind of going back to that question that Eric asked about, you know, you know, the actually the 19-year-old you or just once you first decided that you, you know, wanted to get into to broadcasting or a career in kind of the broadcast uh, arena, how would you have dealt with it today, right? Like with the with the platforms that are out there today, what would you have done? Because I think back then it's like you're, I need to get an internship, you know, I need to find ways to get this going versus today it's, I just kind of broadcast my own show. I mean, you know, I think there's something you can sh share with, the, with us or what your approach would have been with the platforms we have available today. Absolutely. I think today, um, for instance, let's talk about something that's topical and everybody, it's trending. You know, it's, it's Colin Kaepernick. Mm. I think using your voice and lending your voice, a lot of times, you know, silence can be taken as affirmation, something my father always used to tell me. And I didn't understand that. I was really shy growing up. I didn't, you know, really always want to speak, and you know, because I didn't understand the power of my name, you know, growing up. It was almost like I didn't even want to identify with being African. And these were all lessons that I had to, you know, come back and just deal with. And I think that in 2019, you take an individual like Colin Kaepernick, who, you know, I love Cap, I love what he's done, but I don't agree with how he's handled this current opportunity. Mm. I, 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 I agree with you on that. That's interesting that you mm. brought that up. I had that as a as a, a note to discuss. So yeah, please share your, your thoughts. Uh, your thoughts on that. Mm. Well, I love Colin Kaepernick, and I, I love the, the the message. But I think that you know it's not about Kaepernick. It's about people that look like Kaepernick, that look like you, that look like Eric, look like me, and not losing sight of our own personal. Um, in the overall mission. I feel like, I think, you know, showing up to a job, a potential interview with a Kunta Kinte shirt, is going to distract some things. And it's going to change the messaging. Now, I, I understand what he's supposed to embody, but you have to remember, we haven't heard much in the form of him speaking for quite some time. He might send out a cryptic tweet or something of that nature. So, it's another lesson in communicating, and I felt like when he did communicate today, it was very emotional. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with emotional. When I say that, I don't mean in a disrespectful manner, but more so, I don't think he was prepped. I don't think his team understood. And, and, and the reality of it is, you know, I look at it like he decided to change the terms of his job interview mm. today. Mm. Because if it was about playing, you know, you could have, I, I felt like you could come to some compromise. Because that's what it's about, right. compromise. And that's something else that you know, I had to really learn early on, you know, um, and something else my father always talked about. And, you know, to see it today, real time, I was a little, I was disappointed in how, how much of a spectacle it just became. It just got out of hand quickly. And that can happen when, you know, you might feel like you're doing, you know, um, you're doing the right thing. But I think it was, he was too indignant about it. And telling people don't run and don't be scared. Hey, listen, we understand the structure of where we are in 2019, but let's also be very clear about this. There are a lot of there are thousands of people, thousands and thousands, you know, saying probably millions of people. Let's just say that 
who can't use their voice the way entertainers and athletes can. And so oftentimes people are very critical of the money that entertainers and athletes make, whereas I'm of the mindset that get the money that you're rightfully owed because this is what you bring, the element of value that you add to it. And because of that, because people dream about living your life, mm -hmm. they allow you to certain allowances. You're, you're allowed to do certain things that other people can't get away with. Right. And so you have to be very conscious of how you speak because there's somebody else that's watching you. Whether you think you're a role model or not, you are. And, you know, you, you know it's, it may not be by choice, but it is what it is. And I think that you have to be careful because there's another young man or young sister that's watching you and saying to themselves, hey, this is the way I want to handle it. They're not going to be able to get away with it the way you can. No different than, you know, I saw something on first take today that I loved, and I think it was probably one of their best first takes. Uh, and, you know, I hadn't necessarily been, you know, as into the show as of late, but today I thought, wow, this was a powerful show. And, you know, Max Kellerman said something that resonated with me, but Max Kellerman also spoke like your white friend that's going to talk trash to the police and your black friend is going to shut their ass up. You better not say anything. <laughs> you can't get away with that type of conversation that this white person can. And it's it's a matter of, it's, it's, a, it's about whether or not you're going to make it home tonight. Yeah. You have to live, you have to play, you have to play life smart. Yeah. And it's chess. You know what I mean? So I felt like, you know, he just kind of, um, it was a it was a bit of a missed opportunity. I mean, I felt like he got, you know, his point across in some ways, but I also thought he lost people in some other areas in terms of Kaepernick. And I feel like, you know, when you, when you have that type of responsibility, it ain't about, if you want to play, then play. But they silence you to a degree when you settle. Yeah. No one talks about that. Eric Reed. I love and agree, but bruh, you really need to shut up because you work for the same institution. So you talk about JD, you're not in a position to be saying nothing because you are playing for a team. You're, you, if it's about protest, like this is something that as we've evolved, we get away from understanding as a collective voice. If you're still watching football, it is what it is. Hmm. But guess what? Me watching football is what allows you to be gainfully employed. Hmm. So we we just need to be having more educated conversations because one thing about us, and I'm talking about people of color, and, you know, I love us for so many reasons. I love crazy guy that gets on CNN, even if he looks like he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about because I know he still represents who we are. But one thing we can't never forget is it's like, you know, we're responsible for how we kind of translate, you know, once we begin saying certain things and once we get on this major platform. And I think that, you know, it could have been handled differently and he could have gotten the outcome that he really ultimately was trying to get to. But I just think that it was just too much of an emotional thing. And maybe he should have been having some conversation or maybe he could have compromised and did two workouts. Maybe he could have did the NFL workout. And I'm just throwing things out there because, yes, I know there's some things that weren't right or it didn't seem like, you know, you could really control the narrative. But oftentimes, how often do we control the narrative? Very rarely. You know, when you're talking about working for somebody, now you can go yeah. start your own league. Right. Cool. It's no. But that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about working for somebody. 
Like, how did that originate? <laughs> well, you know, I, was, I said it's self-explanatory, but I was like, I'm going to love the skin I'm in. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I said that, you know, essentially, you know, really embracing, I mean, because growing up, coming over here, I was, you know, you know, you know, we, a black folks, we could be hard on each other. I was, uh, you know, the African booty scratcher. I was, <laughs> I was, 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 I was everything. So I said, what? You know what? We're going to get all this out the way. And the dark secret, I was, you understand exactly what it is. And, you know, once, you know, it was kind of just funny to see how people responded to that. And I had what I would consider, interestingly enough, a Kunta Kinte moment in my career early on yeah. after I had interned. And one of the people that grouped me was a very, you know, prominent person. And it was Mike. And I had a lot of, I, you know, I still have a lot of respect for him, but he had a conversation with me about changing my name. And it was something that I wouldn't do because, you know, I felt like, man, I struggled in terms of embracing my name most of my life. So I feel like this is something that I'm supposed to do. and. And this is one of those moments when you're in tune with yourself and you don't necessarily identify it as being that or know why you feel the way you feel. But when you reflect in hindsight, you know, that's when spirit is talking, you know, in my opinion, for you. And, you know, I never would have thought that it would be what it eventually became, but I think that it was just kind of divine for me, divine intervention in that capacity that really did that. And so that's why I just, you know, always ran with it. And so... You know, again, seeing a lot of first generation kids, you know, who are over here too, that are Africans, they just identify with me. Um, you know, he just thought, I think at the time, he thought that the net, you know, say that that student was like, just too, <laughs> too black, you know, or something like that. But I was like, I got to roll with what I got, you know what I mean? And, mm. you know, this is one of those times that I feel like I got to stand on it. And I just did. It wasn't like, but the funny part about it is, I wasn't. I didn't, I didn't blow up about it. I didn't get upset, but I just said, well, we just keep this. I keep the passive aggressor. Hmm. <laughs> I can do what I need to do, you hmm. know, and that's what I did. Stay with it. And so that was really the thing. So it, the dark secret, that was you rolling with what you got. Yeah, yeah. it was. That's awesome. And, and saying that people are going to love, you know, they'll love it once they get, get hit to it. If they get introduced to it, they'll love it. And I always felt like that. And I said, I need my own handle that's unique and different. And I can tell the story through, you know, um, you know, just me being present because I never knew of any Africans that had made it in media like that, that had done what I had done in these markets. And so D.C., um, you know, starting in D.C. was very defining. I mean, I interned for Donnie Simpson. But the African in D.C., that was always a kind of family in D.C. I always looked up to them because it was a community. And, you know, when you look at black people, that's the beauty of it, looking at a sea of black people and saying, hey, those folks are from Trinidad. Um, they're from, you know, say, Senegal. Hell, people there from Louisiana. And guess what? We all have something in common. Because the same peanut butter soup that I might eat in Ghana, they make peanut butter soup in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. So we have to know how to embrace each other. So when you talk about 2019 is the year of return. And it's interesting having gone to Hampton, you know, and being that close to Jamestown, literally, mm-hmm. and understanding that this is the site of the arrival of first ladies. I'm saying, let's be volumes. You know what I mean? The people that we are interacting with 
are some of the strongest people anywhere in the world. They're descendants of slaves, and they made it. And so when you go back, I went to the slave castles this summer. I was at um, Cape Cod, I hate calling it a castle. It's a damn dungeon. It's not a castle. <laughs> but going to the dungeon and mm. seeing that, it's like, you know, it's like I don't want to um, try to beautify something that's not beautiful, but it's a part of our history, and we're all connected to it because we're all a part of the diaspora. So, um, you know, it, it just, it's just, you know, saying one of those things in terms of our overall connectivity. It's all about, you know, one another because we're nothing without each other. And, you know, I say this too, you know, it's like a lot of us want to be the only one at the table until we find out we're on the menu. And then it changes. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you got to know it. You know, you got to know it. That could be a rude awakening. <laughs> Very rude. <laughs> Very rude. You <laughs> said, what, to be the only one to tell you and be the one on the menu? That's, that's serious. You're like, where's the bill? <laughs> well, well, you the turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Got something for you. <laughs> we didn't mean to talk to surprise, you about that. Surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> what you putting the potatoes around yeah. me for? Yeah, that's, that's something. Yeah, that's rough. So, so you've, uh, I mean, you've interviewed like the who's who of Hollywood. I mean, you, Fifty Cent, Mary J. Blige, Beyonce, President Jimmy Carter, Wow, Lil Zane, yeah. a little bit of everybody. So, like, like, what have you learned from your guests that you could apply that our listeners can apply to their pursuits in life? I think the commonality is, you know. And, and being successful is definitely uh, just your mindset and then you're not giving up, not retreating. Mm. Um, you have to, you know, everybody, there's, 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 there's some similarities in terms of having a drive, you know, a, a burning desire to get to that other side. Mm. And, you know, intestinal fortitude is something is probably one of the craziest things to measure. And it doesn't come out in any other form other than perseverance. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think that watching some of these people, you know, get on and also the ability to create team, to create, you know, community, family. Uh, and, and that's something that kind of like I, I moved around a lot um, as a kid and I, and I found it hard to kind of like have like a, a, a rooting, you know what I'm saying? And you know, I think as I've gotten older, I really appreciate that more and more. And, you know, you just have to, you just have to, you know, just know it and, and understand, you know, your less, your, your, your journey. I mean, everybody's walk is going to be a little different, but there are similarities. And again, these people just, you know, didn't give up and they were able to identify um, everything you need is really immediately around you. Now, for some of us, it takes a lot longer. You know what I'm saying? I'll tell you this. If I had to go out and kill my food and all that, I'd be a damn, I'd be a shame. <laughs> okay? But luckily, we don't have to do that in 2019, so you can find something else to be good at. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's about being able to identify, you know, the people around you that make, you know, doing your work a lot, you know, easier and, and also crediting them. There's nothing wrong. Like, there's enough for all of us. Yes. There's no reason for any of us to be fighting. I mean, a lot of times when you just see ego, it's like, dude, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's really unnecessary, and it's a lonely place to be, too. You know, at the end of the day, it's a lonely place to be. 
um, to just have your ego be the motor that drives everything. It doesn't work. You know, and I've never seen it, you know, never seen a time where it has. So, you know, I just think being, you know, cognizant and being very self-aware um, makes all the difference in the world on your path to success, whatever that is for you, because everybody's going to be different. So, you know, I like to take tenets from different people and figure out how I can, you know, make my own dish. I mean, you know, you go into a restaurant, every restaurant is the same thing. You want beef, chicken, fish, or whatever the hell, <laughs> you know, it is. But it's all about the presentation. It's about the plating. It's about what did you do that was so different? What did you do to your shrimp? Mm-hmm. That you know they made it so special. You know what I mean? And that's what it is. And we all have that in us, but most of us oftentimes have a hard time tapping in and, and finding out. You know, wh- wh- where's your soul? You know, what's your soul? You know what I'm saying? And um, I mean, we all have it, but you know, you got to take time to cultivate it, and find it. And then, uh, so LeBron James actually featured you on that. Fox Sports Special, 89 Blocks. How did that come about? So, you know, interestingly enough, man, um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, shout out to uh, uh, Coach Hill, man, Donald Hill, Z-Squad, bruh. Mm-hmm. Um, he connected me with uh, Demetrius Johnson, who is <laughs> heavy in the community in St. Louis. And Demetrius, um, you know, he... It got me involved, and I, and I and I started getting involved with, um, you know, following the East St. Louis Flyers and just really being engaged and active in the community. And you know, I was just supporting the team, and you know, a part of it, and I was a part of their journey, and didn't even know. And that's one of those instances when you know you can't even predict. Like I've had some times in my life, you know, early on, I would have been completely out of sync and not understanding was happening and that was one of those moments where you don't even know what's happening until it happened like that mm. and um, I happened to be a part of it you know and I say hey man you know do what comes naturally and you know all the extraordinary things that you could ever imagine you know saying kind of come to you as well and that was just one of those moments so I was very humbled and thankful to be a part um, you know just in supporting those young men and you know the pursuit of their dreams I mean that's some life-changing stuff. Even when I take a step outside of myself, situation, it's more of something where I'm like, wow, man, these brothers are going to look back many years from now, and that's going to be... And sometimes you don't even know. You know what I mean? You're in the midst of some of the most special times in your life. You know, a good friend of mine who records for the NFL was saying, I'll say sometimes, man, we spend so much time trying to get to our destination, and then we're spending so much time trying to get out of there, we don't even realize we were present. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, it, it really, it, you know, Mark, my man Mark Esco, and it, and it really just resonated with me in, um, in a very different way. Like, it, it just really it hit my spirit. And, you know, he's right. And I had so many moments like that. So, you know, I was just, sometimes it's like knowing that you're just immersed in that moment. And, you know, it's like, wow, that's, that's special, man. And, I mean, I was honored to be, you know, a part of it, but it was really about, you know, these brothers and their story and them being able to share that with the world. And I'm glad it shined, it was able to, to shine a different light on St. Louis and specifically East St. Louis, which is, man, if you, if you understand the history of that city, I mean, it was, it was like Rosewood. It was like, you know, it was Black Wall Street. 
you know, at a time. And when you understand the racial tension that is in that region, you'll see, you know, uh, St. Louis, it's a lot of racial tension. And East St. Louis, when you look at the history, was a free state. That's Illinois. It was just across the Mississippi River. You come into Missouri, it was it's hectic. And then, you know, it's still it's still a tension that you can feel in the air there. So, um, you know, I was just happy to see that for 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 that region. And, you know, shout out to Coach Sunky, man, and that that whole staff over there, man, because they do some exceptional things with very little. And, you know, they're certainly turning water into wine over there. So big up to them. Yeah, I mean, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. And so in addition to being a radio personality, you're also, you have a nonprofit called America to Africa. Uh, what, what inspired you yeah. to start that? So kind of going back to what I was saying about being first generation in this country, I always believed that there was a virtual bridge. Mm-hmm. And we helped our first group of students in 2007, you know, from Kipways Academy in Atlanta, go to Africa. They were trying to raise funds for a trip. It was something they wanted to do. So knowing that this was their natural ambition, um, you know, with, you know, and was trying to push this on them, I felt like it was, uh, you know, something that I needed to kind of get behind and be involved with. So the foundation is something I'm actually bringing back. Um, they have been quiet for a while. Um, and I was kind of doing some other things, but I'm going to relaunch that. And, you know, kind of, it, was, it, it kicked off with kids at Kip Bay's Academy. And, you know, I'm looking forward to actually kind of following up with some of those students and interviewing them now. You know, saying that was, that initially was 12 years ago. And, you know, to see where we are now, even when you talk about the year of return and everything that's happening, it's just a different conversation. And I think even the film Black Panther, um, help to change that conversation and the perception of people of color and black males. I mean, you saw a black male superhero, you know what I mean? And we've never really seen us celebrated in that capacity and empowered that way. And I think those things are very important as our young, you know, our young, our young men, you know, are looking and we're searching for something that we can embrace and love about ourselves. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to have that self-hatred and that's been perpetuated in us. But the only ones that are going to change that narrative are those of us that recognize it and actively get involved to do that. So um, that's what the whole thing was about, the A to the A, you know what I'm saying, Atlanta to Africa, America to Africa, and sending kids who otherwise would never get an opportunity to get to the continent to go and see themselves in a different light and understand how great they are and how we use what we have here take advantage of what you have here because you know the struggle is the struggle no matter where you go but you know there's certain infrastructural things that we have here that they may not have in other countries and by that I mean you know we know America has its challenges we know that the police are you know uh, got a lot of work to do in the United States of America but let's be clear policing is policing and you know if you ever watch Locked Up Abroad you know what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. so Let's work on what we got over here because you're going to have to do that no matter where you go. You know what I mean? That's something you're going to have to deal with. But we know that it's an issue, but it's like, well, we're going to need to get more involved. Maybe maybe everybody isn't going to be a professional athlete. Maybe this brother is going to get into the community and, you know, try to f- figure out how he can help change the system from within. 
because he's got a vision and, you know, it was brought to him. And, you know, they say once the vision's been given, it can't be returned. So I think that, you know, we just have to have these constant conversations to remind ourselves, you know, again, it's like Tupac saying, I may not change the world, but I might spark the mind of the individual who will. That's all you can really ask for, man, because we're all sent here with a certain purpose. And that's all it is, simply. Yes. Hmm. So, I mean, you've accomplished a lot. I mean, we've, we've talked about the people you've interviewed. We've talked about your career, and you've been this radio personality. I mean, what's next for you? Like, what's on your horizon? Well, God willing, what I really want to do is take a more um, visible and physical presence in, um, you know, in the visual elements, um, both you know, online and on air, whether it's, you know, film, television. I've been working on a documentary that I shot when I went to Africa um, about that bridge, you know, that I'm always talking about with the diaspora and really connecting Africans and African-Americans. And I think once we understand who we all are in this big picture, you know, it'll change the conversation that we're able to have with each other. No different than when, you know, black men and women understand who we are and the dynamic of that relationship, it changes our conversation because we don't understand a lot of the trauma that we've gone through. And I feel like for me, kind of majoring in psychology gave me a different perspective in understanding people in media and the way we think. And I think Muhammad Ali was a master at understanding that psychology. So, you know, we've got to change our, our approach from a psychological standpoint of how we see ourselves and how we see each other so that, you know, we can get better. So I want to use the, the, the mediums of media and entertainment to tell those stories. And, you know, storytelling is essentially what it is. So, you know, my ultimate goal is to be in an international slash African version of Ryan Seacrest. I do what I do <laughs> from a hosting and hmm. media standpoint, but I also create content as well. And so that's the direction that I'm really... I'm looking forward to, you know, embracing and, and going. Yeah, that's great. So what uh, what's the best way for our listeners to connect with you, to see what you're doing, to follow you? Oh, man, please follow me, uh, connect with me on, on the gram at, at Osei the Dark Secret, um, O-S-E-I-T-H-E-D-A-R-K-S-E-C-R-E-T. People are wondering why I spell it. You'll be amazed at how creative we get with uh, coming up with our own spelling for people's names uh, <laughs> if we don't ask. So, um, yeah, please don't spell it O-S-A-Y, but O-S-E-I. And, um, yeah, I'm on, I'm on Instagram. I'm on uh, uh, Facebook as well as, uh, you know, African Darkness on Twitter. Um, you can find me there. But, you know, uh, love to connect with your listeners and certainly appreciate you all taking the time for us to connect. Um, I love what you all are doing, man, and you know, keep, keep up the great work. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, what you shared is really, I think, be helpful in the, in the lives of our listeners. And I know people struggle with purpose. People are trying to, you know, it's easy to feel boxed in to what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Like most people in this yeah. situation, they go on and become doctors and they're miserable. Yeah. 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 But you, yeah. you had the yeah. courage to kind of step out. And to really follow your call, follow your calling. So, yeah, man, it's a it's, it's it's a process, you know. And I think that a lot of times, you know, even though you you don't get a chance to see every person's process, so you don't get a chance to see 
the highs and lows, and I certainly had my my share. And you know, it's a constant. Um, you know, we're we're all in in a search to get better with what we're doing on a daily basis. And so I, you know, go through the same things as anybody else. But I think that you know, I've just learned and come across some incredible people to you know keep me encouraged and motivated. And I just hope that. You know, that's what I'd love to share with anybody else. Because those are the things, those are the real wins. Those are the things that really mean something. You know, I mean, you know, they say wisdom is best, silver and gold. And and I really, truly, you know, believe that. Because it's like, man, you know, so many people are striving for the material things. And that's what we're sold, even in music. And I think that, you know, being in that industry, I want to be able to give a balancing voice. Um, not that you know those things are fun and cool and everything else, but there's just a whole much, a whole lot more for us to you know tap into, and you know especially for a lot of our young people, giving them the guidance to understand that because if not, you'll be told that oh this is it, this is living, and I got mine and you need to get yours, and it's just not <laughs> that's not life, mm-hmm. you know that's not how it works really, yeah. Okay. And so uh, we're about to go around the horn, and this is the part of the episode where we share a final thought with our listeners. So, Ose, is there, is there one more thing you wanted to leave our listeners to remember? Um, well, something else that I like to say is my, my grandparents, um, and the only grandfather I've ever known is from a place called Liberty, Mississippi. And his name is Obity McKnight. So I feel like I have a different connection. Uh, when I reference, you know, being African-American. And, you know, um, we call him Papa. And, you know, he's he's been in my life since I was five years old. But he used to have this thing, you know, my, my grandmother uh, would have this little saying, you know, um, in the bathroom. And it said, love is as love does. And I just, you know, I've really learned to embrace that. So... And I just say to us, especially, you know, as people of color, when we talk about black or black crime and all this other stuff that's going on, man, you know, just let's learn how to appreciate each other and, you know, find a way to get back to who we are, you know, as people, as kings and queens, man, and know how to, you know, handle that crime. You know, it's not just something that we say, but it's something that we're really, like, embodying and living. So, you know, it's a constant walk, and we're all in it, and we're in it together. So, yeah, love is as love does. I appreciate y'all. Excellent. Love is as love does. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty deep. From, that is. From your fraternity brother. <laughs> <laughs> from the line brother. From GE, the, the power company. Light at 30. Yeah. Hampton <laughs> University. Hampton University. Like, there there that's you go. Pretty, pretty deep. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. This has been, this has been, uh, this has been really good, man. I, you know, the thing that kind of stuck with me is the whole <clears throat> kind of the statement you made about kind of enjoying the journey and appreciating the small wins. You know, I just thought that is just really kind of profound because, you know, you do, like you said, you're just so busy in it. And instead of just kind of being in the, the present, right, of, you know, man, you know, because before you know it, like you just like, man, let me just, I know there's times you just stop and think, man. Was I just interviewing Beyonce? Like, <laughs> just talking to LeBron James, you know, right. things that some people right. would just be like, man, that's the biggest thing. And she was probably like, yeah, was, you know, it was an interview. It was great. It was really cool. Right. Whatever that you're going to. And then it was Jimmy Carter. It was, you know, you know, whatever. But just 
kind of enjoying the journey, you know, appreciating the the small the small wins. I just think that's a that's something I think that we all need to do in every aspect yes. of our you know of our lives. You know, we're talking about the next level, right? Yeah. You know, what about the the level yeah. where you're at right now? Right. Doesn't mean to stop. Yeah. You know, continuing to strive, but at least knowing that hey, you know, I have achieved some things. I'm, you you know you just got to the seventh grade. I mean, you achieved something, but you're yeah. at the sixth yeah. grade, yeah. right? You know, so just I think that was uh, definitely something for our listeners to to take into consideration, and I think it just ties to a you know another uh, person. I think it may have been Marcia that just talked about kind of around success and how you right you you classify you know being successful. Mm-hmm. You know, what does that mean? It's not so much what others around you are saying. It's just kind of like when you. You know, you say, you know, this is success to me. Right. You know, I, I've achieved yeah. some some good things. I think that's something that we've we just kind of hear from a lot of the the guests that we have that they're kind of you know in their skin on hey, you know, I've achieved some things. There's so much more I want to do. I'm gonna do, but right. You know, I guess you just say stop and you know smell the roses a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Great yeah. points. I've had to learn it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's real. Yeah. No, thank you for that. And so my my around the horn goes back to what Osei took away from the different people he's interviewed. Mm. And I asked him that question because I find myself learning. Mm. All the people we talk to, and you start to see common things. Mm -hmm. Like, remember you said how, you know, they're not waking up at 10 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Right. Yeah, they they all have a certain pattern. We didn't ask ask Osei about that. Like, Osei, like, what is your normal day like? I don't mean to interrupt you, but... This is kind of a question we ask everyone. How, how does your normal day go? Man, I'm, I'm like a, a real, I'm an early riser. Um, I like to get my day started. Like, I, I go to, you know, YouTube a lot. I like to get, like, a, some type of inspirational word, whether I listen to some Abraham, you know, Law of Attraction. I, I listen to Reverend Ike mm. uh, as well. And so I like Reverend Ike because, you know, his story being from the South and, you know, and, and you know, being, being a reverend, he had a very different take on it. And I always thought it was interesting considering the time frame he was coming out of to, you know, have a prosperity consciousness. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not big on traditional religion in that sense, but he just, for some reason, he just really resonated with me the way he spoke. So, I like to get my days, you know, listening to something like that. Um, I try to get, you know, I like to go to hot yoga, um, and you know, it helps <laughs> me to really kind of like, yeah, I know, man. It was man, I did hot yoga. a boy who played. I did hot yoga one time, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah, man, I was in there, man. I was in there trying to do all the different stuff. Like everybody in there was doing, knew what they was doing, but me. Right. You know, do this, do that. My leg, you know, doing up. Let me tell you something. Yeah, at a certain point, the guy, the, yeah, the guy was looking at me right. He just looked at me and he just came over to me. Just, just sit down, just sit down. Just go ahead and sit down. Sit down, drink your that's your is that your water is that your water? Is that your water? Just drink. Yeah. That was it for me. That was the one and only yeah, time I did hot yoga. Yoga, hot yoga, what it, what it taught me too was when they say that, you know, you're only in competition with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I really embraced that in there because the thing is, everybody, and if you look at somebody else, you'll be over there about to break the hook. You want something you ain't got no business trying to do because <laughs> that's, right. that's not where you're at. That's right. You know what I'm saying? You know, but I've been there where 
the sister's like, well, wait a minute, hold on. And, you know, you're trying to just get through it. But what I realized is kind of working things that, you know, at your own pace. And every day is different, too. And that's the cool part is some days, man, you're like, man, I'm awesome. And other days you're like, man, I felt like I was all right. But getting through it is kind of a mindset for approaching each day. You know what I mean? Every day is different. And so it's like, how calm can you be? in the midst of your storm, so to speak. And um, that's that's one of those things. So I start my days like that. And, you know, like I said, I'm up early, you know, say at 6, you know, no later than 7. Uh, you know, try to get a workout in. You know, I love to kick rocks. And before I get my day started, one of those things before I kind of get into, you know, the, the day at work. And, you know, I'm, I'm recently coming out of, um, you know, I was working for iHeart in St. Louis for almost four years. And, you know, that they, they, they flipped the format for us. Um, you know, we don't have anybody live in that particular market anymore. And so, you know, and embracing, you know, my next opportunity, I went to Africa for six weeks. And, you know, coming out of that, I'm getting ready to embark on uh, coming back on the airwaves in Atlanta. So, you know, I had some time to kind of like meditate and think about a lot of different things and, and read and just you know, kind of traveling, I mean, observing and, and seeing other people. But that, that's, that's how I like to typically start my day. And I feel like, you know, it kind of gives me, um, you know, my, my, my daily bread that I'm needing to, you know, function and get out there and take on whatever the challenges are. So, you know, um, ideally, you know, that, that's, those are the, the primary things I like to do. Yeah, no, that's great. And so... And and that's one of my things. You have to look at people that are successful and what what are the common things, mm-hmm. right? And he mentioned the mindset, the burning desire. They have that perseverance quality. I mean, I, I think that's a good takeaway. And once again, we see another example of someone's very intentional about how they how they start their day, what time they wake up, what they do. Sooner or later, we're gonna find that person to start about ten o'clock. <laughs> somebody's gonna somebody's gonna say that. Oh, I just roll out of bed oh, around eleven or ten o'clock. I get some pain. I get some. I get. I go to IHOP. I watch. I, get, I watch the soap I, operas. I watch know, the Simpsons. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I get it yeah. going. Oh, it's somebody out there that's making it work for them. Oh yeah. <laughs> let's, let's not. Let's not stop that. I just. I just. I came around a few OGs that made me feel bad. Like. What? You know, and I just said, okay, let me get it. You know, I think naturally I just morphed into getting up early, you know, like naturally. It just kicked in, and I just feel a lot more productive. But, you know, it's like whatever works for you. That's right. all. Right. I think the key is to have a routine. If you're not a morning person, that's fine. But to have some type of a routine, it's something you do consistently. So, yeah. 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 It's necessary. All right. This has been an outstanding episode of the 30 Minute Hour. And you know, you've been trying to turn it into the 30 Minute Omega Hour. Lately. <laughs> 30 Minute Pirate Hour. <laughs> hey, what can I say? The, the Hampton Omegas are doing big things. Yeah. We need to make sure we feature them. And all right, all right. Share with the world the things right. they have going on. You are doing your part, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, this has been great, I'll say, man. You're all right, man. Yeah. Absolutely. I appreciate you, man. Look forward to uh, seeing you do your thing live, man, when I come to uh, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, man. Yeah, and, uh, please yeah, come in, doing man. the work. Yeah, please come in, man. It would be great to have yeah, you sure. live with us, man. Just, you know, lead the gold boots, man. Y'all not going to be <laughs> stepping. You know, you know, one time Eric was telling us about y'all being the, 
the stepping champions of the world. So he was, you know, he, we had, a, I think we had a whole show on that where he just said, you know, people are still talking about it. Like, ki- like kids' mamas are crying just because y'all was so good <laughs> back in, in the day. So, I mean, so, yeah, you know, you might yeah. have to do a little something, show the, you know, on video to show how good you are. <laughs> Make sure you, you'll be doing some hot yoga that next day for sure, though. You try yeah. to do that stuff. <laughs> That, that's going to take yeah. a lot. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Cool. Again, Not Your Everyday Podcast. No. You find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, on iTunes. Make sure you type in the 30-minute hour into the search field, and don't forget to subscribe. And until next time, have a great one.